Right, so here we are. It's been a long lockdown, and we're outsiders, and we've been in. We've been so in. Boy, have we oh been my in. God. Carmen, it's been a very in time for outsiders. I mean, it's been reflective, been a real uh, struggle. How are you finding this so far? I did think at the point in time, oh, this is going to be great. And everybody was talking about this moment that you're going to have time to reflect and and let your inner creativity flow. But I must be honest with you, um, I have never felt so exhausted in my entire life. It has really been busy. But you've been busy. We've been busy. <laughs> We've been busy. I think f- from my perspective is I think maybe, let um, you know, let's catch up and, and like, tell the people what what's been happening so so from my perspective is um you were faced with a very big challenge because i mean you've been a public speaker you run a productions company your business models and everything that you've had beyond this was all based on being around people the whole time so how did you cope with that so i'm actually an introvert so i've i uh i was laughing with my partner because essentially we've been on lockdown since we um most of my life actually if i'm honest i don't i don't do a lot of socializing i haven't done in the last 10 years <laughs> so for a hermit uh it's quite a good time but in the middle of a career change which really involves public speaking as my mm. primary source of income and production of live events i i had probably some pivotal moments in my own life just to be totally honest i had some hoppers three wake-ups where i thought i'm in trouble here uh if i don't rapidly rethink what i'm doing Luckily, I couldn't go back to what I was doing because comedy also was going to be challenged. So, so I, I had no choice but to innovate. And um, so after some really deep self-reflection and feeling, uh, and I literally mean that anxiety where you have that kind of tightening of the chest, can't breathe, panic stations, and some careful thought, and then just some, let's say, preparation in the face of opportunity arising, I was able to pivot really quickly. And, and um, I think it has a lot to do with the work we've been doing together. And, mm. and by work, I mean the outsider philosophy of being resolute, um, of being firm that we follow our own true north as opposed to, let's say, what we are told to follow. That's very helpful because I watched a lot of people follow true north just over the edge of unemployment and, and um, hoping somebody else would solve it. So being an outsider, I took on the, um, the challenge of figuring out my own destiny. And, and so that's what happened. So. So, I mean, I can tell you the whole story. uh, You know, one thing is that my production company is now running a big virtual production for Savannah. We're doing the Savannah Virtual Comedy Bar, which has been a really good thing. Something we we suggested a while ago, a a version of it a while ago, which luckily aligned to to their advertising agency's kind of idea. So we were brought in to collaborate. And and that was a really good thing to be able to run production from where we are. So that was great. I am a I am a tech uh, technological geek, so I have a great deal of gadgets in my home, which allowed me to rewire and reconfigure things to work for me. I have you, um, who kicks my <laughs> ass digitally all the time, so I'm able was able to think about what you've talked me through in in the last few months, not few months, it's been quite a while now, and and I was able to access that stuff, and then. Maybe even more exciting me because it's more different and weird and involves working with you. We've both been <laughs> sucked into the vortex that is getting Henley Business School online in, in a really short space of time. And not only that, but being able to hit the ground running in a new reality and formulate projects. I mean, your idea of the 21 days, which was uh, brilliant, um, to give people a free lesson every 
day of the initial lockdown period, as you know, was a roaring success. Uh, it was crazy to suggest. It was crazy to think we could even implement it from the time you came up with it until the beginning mm. of the lockdown, but we pulled it off and we've helped a lot of people. So if I, we'll talk more about that because I want to, I want to talk to you about that and interview you about 21 lessons and what we're doing at Henley. But if I think about what I've been lucky enough to be involved in, number one is to keep working because that's important. Keeping going is, 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 is a privilege. Uh, and the other one is two projects that genuinely connect people in a constructive way. One to make them laugh and the other one to make them learn. And I, I can't yeah. think of a better combination. And weirdly, I'm operating deep inside two organizations as an outsider. I came into this digital world, the marketing world, quite as an outsider, not with the education. I did not learn the four P's of marketing, all the things that you need to know, the models and the structures and the tech landscape and all of those kind of things. So I had to learn through doing or knowing is doing. And you come in and you are doing exactly the same thing I did and rocking it. And it kind of like um, made me think about that for a moment because I'm like, there's, there must be some value in the fact that you, we don't have to be experts at everything and that we can literally learn something from scratch. And I think in this time that we're now living in, it's forcing us to do that. We think about things too much when we have time. And I was talking to John about this. You know, we used to not have the time to innovate. Now we don't have a choice. And that's mm. a beautiful position of discomfort to be in because we talk and we teach about disruption and disruptive thinking but because i'm quite disruptive instinctively i don't put myself through disruption that often anymore well i haven't for a little while and this thing has come along and uh, and uh it's forcing that comfort with discomfort uh, again you've got to mm. you've got to relearn the idea of being um comfortable you uh, to embrace discomfort and, and then you learn quickly, as you say. So I can only imagine how traumatic your entry into marketing must have been because I'm living through a similar series <laughs> of ambushes and nightmares at the moment. But at the end of the day, I feel like I'm learning much faster. And, and uh, mm -hmm. it helps to have a dean who's a strategy expert because he's basically putting us through one of his own you know, lectures, which is this rapid making and breaking and reforming and rethinking and unlearning. It, you know, it's easy on paper or to watch a slide. But to live through it is a genuine, it's a really uncomfortable privilege. And so I feel like those of us who have been lucky, because I don't think it's about, there's a, there's a lot of luck. You know, Jerry Springer once said to me that if he'd been born in Rwanda, things would have been very different for his talent. Mm. And that's such a good point. You know, we forget about the fact that we are in a privileged position to take advantage of chaos. There are a great deal of people who will not have a choice and chaos will be tragic. And so we must use what privilege we have and innovative capacity we have to try and offer people a chance to mitigate some of that. What has been the worst for you during this time, though? Enabling my inner workaholic because I genuinely don't have any discomforts. If I need things, I can get them. If the power goes off, it comes back on. Most of the time when I turn on a tap that says hot, hot water comes out. So the people in my life, in my ecosystem, I'm able to care about and look after, and they look after me. The worst thing for me is that I spend about 17 hours a day at my desk, and that's not healthy. I'm excited, and I'm driven, and I'm traumatized, and I'm learning, but it's not healthy for a human being to spend 17 hours at a screen, no matter what you're doing. I think for me personally, it was um, merging. So, so Outsiders initially started as a philosophy community, 
podcast and now it merged into a proper business working together, like almost like an outsider's marketing way of doing things. And um, I think during that process, I think for me, the hardest thing was learning how you and I are completely different human beings. We have so much in common, yet we are so different. But at the same time, there were those moments of friction. I mean, I think, and I mean, you're my brother. You know what I mean? It's just, it's like those moments of vulnerability or that moments of frustration that, you know, when you're social and when you're interviewing people, those things don't come across. And then when you're working in a highly dense situation, you show your authentic self. And it's sometimes I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. Or this is very uncomfortable for me. But I feel like I've grown a lot from it too. Yeah. You know, it's bonding. I feel like it's bonding because I love what you just said now about socializing. Because when we do podcasts, it's fairly uh, collegial, you know, like we just get on and we're actually cool with each other. And it's, it's, you know, Gavin is really organized. So there's no, there's no like major pressure point. Mm. And so you don't learn anything about each other because it's all polite. And and that's, I think what I, what I was trying to articulate quite badly in the beginning is, is that um, it's only when the wheels fall off that you really know who you are and who other people are. I don't think it's about who other people are. Um, it's about yourself and how you process. In other words, Carmen has a mode. Carmen has a way of expressing Carmen. And instead of trying to, qualify how Carmen does her stuff against my own way of doing things. It's about me learning to appreciate that when you express frustration, what you're really saying is, I want this to be better, or Mm. I'm unsure of myself, I'm not happy about it. That's the growth that I love, is that we are learning how each other chooses to express themselves. And you don't have time to judge or value. You go, okay, cool. I'm now hearing what Carmen is saying. She needs better from me. That's actually what she means. You know, someone else in the team uh, became very defensive yesterday under pressure. And I finally let it process that what they're saying is I'm afraid. So instead of attacking their defensiveness, treat the fear, help them with the fear. And suddenly they bounce back. And, I, and I've loved that experience because I do think we got to another level, the two of us. Oh, for sure. From my perspective, I just feel like I'm, um, yes, the bonding experience. I think we understand each other much better. I think, yes, I'm bubbly, but I think I can be a little bit autistic sometimes. Like my husband yeah. said, I should not say that. But, but when I'm in that mode, it's like it's the only thing I can focus on in that particular moment. Yeah. And I think um, seeing that kind of, um, and also I can, also, I'm also a very emotional human being, and I think that's hard. But one thing I must say is that what I've learned from you is that you really practice what you preach and you so you always observing your own and and testing yourself and and bouncing things off and observing how you feel and and then also how other people are feeling and you never react which i find fascinating tell me about that i do react inside i just don't show it you know i've got this joke that i made yesterday to someone who wrote a really tough email and sent it to someone else And I said, do what I do. When you start writing a really hard email or it's a reaction, put your own email address in the recipient. Don't put their, because you'll hit send in anger or you'll hit send in fury or whatever or reaction. Send yourself that email and then see how you would like to react. And that's how I feel with my thoughts. I send them to myself and I go, well, if if this was directed at me, how would I? I don't always put it off, but I try. You know, I I can tell people that I've got a new nickname for you and and I I want to unpack that a little bit. So okay. I call Carmen mag- magnesium. 
because I love what happens when you put magnesium in water. It, it releases <laughs> an incredible amount of heat, light, and energy. And, and, um, and I, I don't mean it in, in a terrible way. Um, what I mean is that imagine if you lived a life where magnesium never got to do that. It was a lump of gray metal, and it didn't do anything. Imagine if it never had a chance to shine. And, and, uh, and, um, and so what, you have, what I want to try and do in our working relationship and, and, and in the teams that we now find ourselves in, the two of us, because that seems to be the future, is we're going to be trying to help teams, um, um, uh, is as a leader, you've got to allow people to have that magnesium moment. You've got to, you know, you've got to let them burst with energy and light and heat. It's it's not that person's job to direct all that energy either. You've got to help to guide that. Mm. And, um, and there have been moments where, I mean, shit, 21 lessons was such a magnesium burst, Carmen. And, um, <laughs> you know, no, but, you, you know, I, I think you play it down a little bit because what you did with that idea, and I'll just elaborate really quickly for people watching. So the idea was that as we um, move into lockdown, there's a school that's now managed to get most of its students online and virtual. But beyond that, there's panic, there's anxiety, there's a population of people who are online, but they don't know what to do with themselves. So the school, under Carmen's kind of, um, uh, I, I'm not going to say guidance, there was, a, there was, it was a, an idea that you had, a clear idea that you had. What it did, which was brilliant, was that it would bring people together. It would be true to the school's philosophy of giving away free education when we can, but also demonstrating technology that would be used going forward for virtual learning. So that all wrapped up beautifully. How do we do all these things? And, and you talk about being a connected marketer. So what you did was you connected the dots beautifully and said, let's give away one free lesson every day um, for the 21-day lockdown. For me, that's a magnesium moment where heat, light, and energy, bang, and you suddenly connect all of the requirements of this business into one clear, concise campaign. Obviously, dropping it into a team's lap, we've now got 36 hours to, to pull it <laughs> off. But we did. And it proved to us that we were capable of high-speed prototyping and iteration. So, so for me, when I talk about the magnesium, I, I want people to understand, yes, it's an analogy, and it involves a very volatile reaction, but it translates when you've got the right marketing instinct into a brilliant idea. And I like working with people who are capable of massive um, bursts of energy and, and stuff under pressure because it gives you something to work with. Imagine if you just had lead, you know, if you just had this like metal, and, and I think a lot of corporates, that's what they are. They're full mm. of lead because they've squashed their people and they don't want volatility. They're trying to encourage people to be the same. So when, when, when the shit hits the fan, there's nothing to work with. In this, I just wanted to acknowledge that there's a wonderful a beauty to that wild kind of idea, um, bursts of energy. But then it's also the people around you have got to try and work to be big enough to help to contain that reaction and make it a beautiful display of light and energy and heat rather than everyone like, oh, look what's going on over there, which is what really happens in the office. <laughs> oh, my God, it's so funny. But 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 I must say, um, I, I think what, what I really enjoyed was um, through that. And, I mean, guys, we're just reflecting here. Um, uh, this has been um, a very <laughs> – like the JFP, so John Foster Pedley, um, he always talks about, like, you – build the, the aircraft as you fly. Like literally, it was like that. And all of this um, corporate identity, red tape and um, punitive policies that you would normally have in, in um, you know, in place, 
you can no longer abide by them because <laughs> you're going to make mistakes. And we know that people on the other side need to be empathetic. And for me, I think the biggest aha moment was we underestimate the hearts of people. We underestimate how kind people actually are because on the other side, people were not judging these things that we think are so volatile is going to destroy the brand. Although I do believe having a brand presence is very important, but during this transition, I think people were very forgiving and empathetic. And for me, that that was a profound um, moment that maybe we have lost ourselves we as marketers, we as businesses have lost our way where we've become so hygienically uh, postured and peacocking that we've kind of lost our humanity, what we need to exude out into, into, into life, I suppose. I think one of the things that John is brilliant at is encouraging eccentricity. You know, we use the word novel to describe Corona. What makes it so dangerous is that it's novel, it's new, and it's something we don't know. I think John has got a brilliant ability to appreciate eccentricity in his team. But the the trade-off is that you invite a disruption into your kind of office calm. And that's the other thing is maybe lockdown has allowed us all to retreat back into our own weirdness, our own quirkiness. And that gets amplified because you're in your own world. And so he's put together a team of truly eccentric people who are operating in a way in isolation, but somehow hyper-connected. And and that appeals to the people that are watching. And so therefore, we're getting a high level of tolerance and forgiveness for these rapid iterations and these mistakes that we make so that we can fix them based on audience pain points. You know, this is all kind of really um, standard innovation theory. And, and the difference is we're living it now, we're not teaching it. It's, it's pretty cool. But I, but I really want to point out that we are talking about it now in a, in a really nice part of the curve. We both feel a bit <laughs> settled. It's a public holiday, you know, like whatever. But it is a ride, man. It is a hard. It is not a, it's not always fun. It's not always kind of interesting or rewarding. Sometimes it is deeply unsettling. It makes you doubt yourself. Uh, it makes you wonder if you're doing the right thing. It makes you wonder if it, it elevates imposter syndrome through the roof. But something which I'm deeply inspired by is John's commitment to what looks like chaos, but it's really being brave enough as a leader to allow people to actually innovate. That's been exciting. And I have to say, um, I've found the same with the leadership at Distel as we break and reform this comedy club online. And they have actually just keep sending us messages of encouragement. And, and wow. I feel like that's a, it's a very advanced way of thinking. So, so we're lucky. We're very lucky to be the mad people that we are at this time. I totally agree. Um, one of my funniest moments during lockdown was 21 Lessons. It was like there was a meeting we all had and I haven't slept properly for days. <laughs> and I'm adamant to be in this meeting. And you didn't listen to your brother. I didn't listen to my brother and he's like, get out of this meeting. <laughs> I was like, I'm no, I'm staying. And he says, if you're not going to do it, I'm going to do it. Forgive me. And you just like let me out of the meeting and said, listen, I'm excusing Carmen. And for me, the next day I was actually giggling my ass, so I thought it was very funny. Very stubborn. I mean, you were a zombie in the meeting. <laughs> you were there, but you weren't there. And uh, and uh, you kept telling me I'm going to get some rest, and you never did. And I think there were like three days that you were away. Eventually, you were not with us. And um, and I felt that we needed to, uh, yeah, someone had to step in and go, right, you, 
bed immediately. We're not talking to you again until you wake up. Because that's what happens, you know, you, 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 you put a lot of yourself in. But look at the results, you know, because as we know, 21 Lessons has spawned a great deal of very rapid innovation. The prototype then became the SME sessions, which are now on the brink of helping a lot of people with a digital pivot. We are talking to people in other countries. We launched Build uh, yesterday. We, we hosted about 80 leaders from around Africa in education. We shared the blueprint of what we've done. We've made available on the micro site a toolkit, uh, a process guide, um, how to prepare your students, how to prepare your teachers, how to, um, how to design your lectures for online. Um, so that rapidly became a useful thing. Uh, I just had a meeting this morning, how are we going to roll that out to more African countries? So, oh, so um, you know, this becomes a, a moral duty to share innovation as opposed to build up competitive advantage and then hoard it. John was very adamant and we did fight him on it because we worried about giving away our secrets. His approach was genuinely noble, I suppose was one of the words, um, but he has a lot of integrity. And, and then I must say, I've now fully I'm on board. I, I believe we must share. So, it, you know, that day of you not sleeping for three days, uh, it resulted in a great deal of amazing good things. I'm, I'm really proud of the level of effort and thinking. But we all did it. I mean, like it, it was just, I think, I think this is where that thing about gut vesting for me is so important. And I think we, yeah. we maybe need to talk about that is like in this, in this time and age that we're living in, it's like, there's a lot of fake news out there. There's a lot of people talking crap. And yep. people are listening to it. And when your your internal um, intuition or seeking patterns, whatever you want to call it, um, is disorientated, you can't find your way and you can't use your gut. And there is a part of you that needs to use your gut when it comes to marketing, business. Yes, you have to do research, but you need to make decisions with your head and your heart. You know what I mean? I think that was important, but I just wanted to say something. Gary Vaynerchuk, who I am a big fan of, puts out all his content strategies and how he does it. And he always says, I give it away for free because I know only 1% will do it. Right. That's the coupon philosophy. Yeah. To give away a coupon, only, only very few people will cash them in. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of Gary Vaynerchuk myself. I've realized. Why? I, I like him a lot. Yeah, it's like he's the El Pacino of um, online content. <laughs> you know, he comes in, he does quite a lot of yelling, and then, you know, I just, no, but I love the fact that you love him and I don't. Like, that's that's one of my favorite things about this whole vibe, you know. And it's like, so, so, you know, I get it. And, and, and also, to be honest about myself, I think the moment someone's really popular really quickly, I almost immediately decide I don't like them. It's got to do with my old pattern breaking, and, I, and I'll take it back to my um, probably my addiction, actually. I was talking to someone else yesterday about an emotional pattern that they get stuck into when they demonstrate certain behavior that I don't like. One of the things I learned in rehab for myself is that the moment I start feeling the pattern of a relapse coming on, I break the pattern. So in other words, whatever I want to do, I do the opposite. So if I want to go quiet, I go loud. If I want to hide away, I go and find someone to talk to. You just break the pattern. And I feel it's the same with me and Gary Vaynerchuk. Like I just, I go against the grain almost, in, it's, it's reactive. It's not based on him. I don't mm. think he's said anything that's wrong or I don't like him. It's just that when I see someone becoming very fashionable, I move the other way immediately. And, and it served me quite well because I think it may not always be right, but it certainly tests it tests what I think of things. Having said all that, Kuk, 
And what you just, you know, I do agree with. I like that he gives away his stuff because it, that fits to what we were saying earlier. So that aspect of him turns out I like. I was one of the 1%. <laughs> you touch on something that I'm very curious about and you, it's maybe a personal question. My husband and I were actually having a long conversation about the fact that we can't have alcohol. Like I need my glass of wine. I know you don't drink alcohol and I know because of your past and all of that. Yeah. But I need my glass of wine. Yeah, I haven't been able to have that. But the problem is, is that there's so many drug addicts, like people on the streets, people with drug addiction, going in isolation, living by themselves, and people that are in what you know that have rehabilitated themselves. And mm. we were always just thinking, like, you know, are the people that's going through this are they okay? Like, are they coping? Um, could this lead to a relapse? Like, uh, there was actually a point where I was worried about you, but I didn't want to say anything. Not because I think that that you would have a relapse, but it's just yeah. you seeing this patterns all, and, and you you and you hear it on the news and the abuse and people. Yeah. I don't know. Like, well, how was that for you? And do you no, know uh, people that? It's- yeah, it's a great point. Um, so, so I, I have certainly thought about relapsing uh, more uh, in, in lockdown than I have in a long time. Um, it's like an old friend, you know. I, I dance with that idea. Um, I've been very lucky. I haven't, I haven't relapsed since I went to rehab, uh, and that was in June. It'll be, I think, fifteen years. But, um, sure. but I, um, but I certainly entertained it. But I spoke about it with people. Um, I did. There are many groups that are sharing by Zoom. They're having meetings on Zoom. Um, I wasn't able to attend, but I was able to do a video share by pre-recording with a very interesting group that I was introduced to. Um, I talked to some of my friends regularly, other addicts. There are, there are people who are struggling without doubt. There are also people getting regular drug deliveries. That also really? happens. Yeah, well, of course, because your your supplier is not a, um, you know, why would they observe the law of lockdown? They don't observe the law of anything else. So so they're criminals. So, so completely irrelevant to them. Um, uh, but what's interesting is uh, not... I haven't got one answer for you, but I think the issues that have surfaced are interesting and how mm-hmm. we all deal with them. And um, I find myself going back to my old uh, philosophy of breaking patterns. So I talk about it a lot when I feel it. I talk to people who understand. I put it out there. I put myself on record so that I'm accountable. When I feel isolated, I make a Zoom meeting with a friend or a family member and just have a coffee and a video catch up or whatever. But certainly you're right. Because you're, it's a new reality. And as addicts, we are experts at chaos and, and finding a way to hide our reality from others. So this lockdown is a perfect example um, of a new reality. So suddenly we start thinking, oh, well, these are familiar neural pathways. You know, it's a new reality. How do I, you know, break the rules? Also, family, um, people with family, um, you know, often we find little escape strategies in our lives to get away from our family. We don't like talking mm-hmm. about it, but everyone does. And because family, as much as we're supposed to all love them, which is a biological imperative, you also are bothered by them. So now those escape routes have all been narrowed down. So a lot of my friends have been expressing a great deal of frustration around getting the homeschooling done, then socializing yeah. with kids, getting their own work done you know, then their partner, then the housework. And then, you know, these are all very privileged problems, but certainly frustration. And that's another reason for relapsing because you want to reward yourself. The problem is that you've got it wired wrong because relapsing isn't a reward. It's it's a punishment. That's the kind of take on that. Nothing too, you know, simple as an answer, but there's a lot of thought around it and it's, it's interesting. 
from my perspective, like not having my wine, just not having my wine has been very tough on me. And it's like, um, for how long? And I was thinking about the people that can't smoke anymore because I used to be a smoker. Like, it's like, it's little things. I don't know, maybe it's a good uh, a good thing, but I don't know without counseling if it necessarily is. I don't know. I'm not an expert, but I've just been thinking a lot about it. See it as a pattern and, and see if you can break a pattern. Ooh, sorry, my cat just jumped on the table. <laughs> I saw it. I saw it. She totally panicked. She's a rescue cat. So she's got, I think she had a bit of a tough childhood. So um, she's lovely. But when she gets cornered, she's uh, panics. And so now she just got cornered on my table. <laughs> <laughs> and the tail just went through. Listen, but I have to tell you the funny thing. So, I actually posted it on the Outsiders group because you haven't, you've been so busy. I haven't posted it on Outsiders, but when you get a chance, you must. But I my, I got, my husband was cutting grass and he's so desperate to speak to people that when the people came to fix the pool and the geezer burst, he was standing outside having conversations and he did not want to let them go. And I was like, can you just shut up for like one second? Yeah, I've been seeing uh, my husband breaking patterns because he's never cut grass in his life. So I guess being on the inside is not always that great. Huh? How have you felt about, because obviously now you've become integrated into an organization and a team. And um, I mean, I have my own you know, feelings on it, but I wanted to ask you how you felt about as an outsider, confirmed outsider becoming quite central to a core team. How does that feel? I must say it was very hard for me to adapt. Not because I love people. And when I'm out there, like I love being my bubbly self. But I also know how I work when I'm in the mode. I can become quite, I don't, I can become very abrasive maybe without noticing because I'm so focused on what I do. And I know it impacts the people around me. Um, but I am very focused on results. It's just how I am. And it was, I think it's it's more of a, a concern about how people around me would, would deal with it. Also, in all honesty, when you when you go into a corporation, you, there's always a part of politics that's always existing. Um, there's always, I mean, the moment you have an organization of more than 20 people, you always be that. And for me, because I'm an empath, I don't deal with that very well. Um, and it, it, it suffocates me. So that was a, a, a part of me that that was hard. But I was fine with it and I've, I've adapted. And actually, I love working with the team. And you know what? I broke a pattern as well because one of the things for me is, you know how anti I am on learning. But I could not wait for the SME sessions and the 21 lessons and learning from people and seeing the faculty doing their stuff. I was like starting to think to myself, like, you know what? If I look at how I'm learning, I might not be learning an MBA or a PG dip, but at least I'm learning something that's adding value to my life. And maybe the way that I've been looking at learning has been corrupted. And there's actually these different pathways for learning. Learning does not need to be dedicate your life for five years, whatever you're studying. Um, there is other ways of how you can learn and still have access to knowledge. And I think that for me was a big aha moment and, and also being accepted by Henley. I really thought that they're going to hate me because I'm not an academic and my brain doesn't function that way. I'm not, I need information now, instant knowledge. That's what I'm about. I really feel like I found a, a tribe, if I can put it that way. Yeah, that's how I see him is my, my learning home. And so I'm probably going to flicker in and out of different roles there, but I'll always remain 
kind of uh, in the ecosystem because I feel, uh, the, the, yeah, there's a, a radical approach to learning. It's very important that there's a serious rigor and there is the kind of high-level certification of something like a, an MBA because it's a, it's, it's a, it comes with a lot of, you know, stuff, uh, an MBA. The meaning of it, I think, and, and I've realized in the recent past that it's not actually about having the letters MBA on your name. It's, it's about the process that you, you might go through if you adopt it completely. Um, I think there are new kinds of pieces. For example, for me to do an MBA, which is I'm, I'm trying very hard to get through, I've just had to put it on pause again while we sort out this current you know, project. But I said to someone the other day, I, the reason I'm okay with putting it on pause is um, it's not about the destination of the degree. That's lovely. And I, I really look, I really am going to go to England and I'm going to get my I'm also going. funny hat and my, yeah, exactly. Right. I, I want to go to the Thames and I want to do my, graduate like i'm very excited about well getting my certificate but but what i'm much more excited about is the journey that i'm having um applying this mix of academics and abstract thinking um to complicated problems and being able to solve them in a way that we can measure and that changes like reality that's incredible and you have a role to play in that so so in other words that's your answer on acceptance is how much are you allowed to influence the reality of Hindi? And I think you've seen. I mean, your work ends up on the stage. And and uh, again, this you know, I talk a lot about John, but he's genuinely a mentor to me. And and it's not always a sing along situation. It gets heavy. And and um, you know, the other day he just said he said, "Have I pushed you too far?" And I said, "No, I, I can, I can take some more." And I said to him, "As long as we can always end up at a rich solution, and we've mm. really tested it together." by arguing it through, I really respect that process. It doesn't always feel easy. It's hard. But but sometimes when you get to the end, you just take this kind of breath. You go, wow, this was a really good – like I think differently as a result of this conversation. It's changed the way I think. That's an incredible uh, privilege. That takes balls because I've experienced it with you as well where we would have a very uncomfortable conversation. And in that moment, it feels this is not good. This is unhealthy because you feel like – but then afterwards, when that, when you start reflecting and you actually realize, oh my God, and you have that aha moment, and the, from the discomfort, you actually learn something. And I've never thought about it, but it's it's been a, an interesting way, and I've, I've actually feels like so much more confident, and I feel like I've grown up in the past few months. Dude, it's all about growth, and you know, we. That's all I look for in people is that is the capacity for growth. That's all you need. Like no one is going to be an academic genius immediately. No one's going to, you know, and a lot of academic geniuses are useless in most parts of life. So, you know, that's great to have that, but you might want some of those thinkers on your team. But the truth is we're trying to connect people. And this is where I keep going back to what you do with Buya. You talk about being a connected marketer. I've only realized what that really means by experiencing it, which is why I mentioned in my absolutely, um, honest review on your site is that you don't explain the idea of Buya to people. You experience it. You know, marketing is traditionally a thing where you divide people into groups, you box them, and then you talk to them in a specific way that you believe that that box should be spoken to. Like, um, But I've realized with you that there's another way of doing it, which is to connect people and don't treat them like that. And, and you know, if we think about where we come from as a country, uh, it would seem that we should know that instinctively. It's bad to mm. label people. And this thing of segmenting, targeting, positioning, which they do teach in, in marketing modules, uh, mm. has a place. But, but there's also a sense in the new world of 
And I don't even know what the new world means, but the, the way we operate now is perhaps we need to rethink that. And that's why I like what you do, because it challenges my old ideas of how we divide and then label and then communicate with people. You know, what's the one thing that I want us to like explore one day is the non-gender thing. Like gender fluidity is not to target people by gender. I am mm. convinced that that's the future because people identify so differently. I mean, Faith Popcorn, when we had the interview with her and she was talking about that, I think that that is the future um, and, and try not to segment people, but more on their behavior rather than their genders and the basic demographics that we so like to define people by. Yeah, without doubt. It was so lovely touching base with you without working and just, ha- just I think it was very Absolutely. important for us just to reflect, eh? Yeah, well, I mean, how, we haven't had a conversation like this for so long. No, but um, what advice would you give to people out there going into the new world? I'm going to end with what you just ended off on because I think that's a really, really good point. Be fluid, fluidity. Uh, Moving forward, be as fluid as you can. Don't be rigid because you'll miss opportunities. And if you say, I am this, maybe an opportunity to be that will come along and you won't take it because you don't think that's you. Be fluid. Um, that's, That's probably the thing I'd like to end on. That is awesome. Um, from my my side, is I think that um, you, I think pe- we need to become Houdini masters. I think that we need to learn to become escape artists out of challenges and to be agile and move as quickly as we possibly can. Because those days of you know you have to remove the shackles and locks and you have to free yourself and you need to to learn how to think in a more escape artist way rather than just thinking linearly about oh, this is how you do it step by step and overthinking things. Nice. I like it. Cool. Dude, it was so good to see you, my brother. So we'll chat soon. Have a good one, hey? And see you out and about. I will see you on Zoom. Yeah, you Zoombie. (laughs) Okay. Bye. You've been listening to another episode from the Solid Gold Podcast Studios.